What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Friday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. As uh, we are off and running, loaded up today. We'll spend some time with Greg Smith from Hale Varsity uh, in about 20 minutes. Get his take so far through week one on fall camp. And uh, for sure, uh, dive into some barbecue discussion with him. The pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman, NBC Sports Olympic coverage killed it with archery and did the race walking and that is something i can't wait to pick his brain about and if bill dolman were to uh uh transport back to lincoln he would race walk to to go catch some some husker fall football and so we'll dive into some big red ball with dolman and then uh uncle jerry joins us coach jerry denardo big 10 network was on hand to see nebraska in their padded practice yesterday had a chance to, to speak earlier this morning with Coach DiNardo. So his lowdown on the Big Red and uh, some big picture talk with the Big Ten. Expansion or stay pat. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. News of the day, and find us on Twitter as well, at Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt, at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal and uh, Chris at HaleVarsity.com for the email. Uh, this is incredible to uh, a program that's already in rarefied air, but you got Lauren Stiverance going to be back in Nebraska one more season, three-time All-American middle blocker, made that announcement, loved the video of, of her walking into the volleyball office in those little pink, uh, it wasn't quite one of the little um, the post-it notes, but it was better. It was one of those bigger, more official uh, memos that you, you slap on the door, and uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, this is the comment from uh, from Stiverns here. I want to return for another year because I know this is the best place for me to recover and get back to doing what I love most with the people I love most. This year I want to go out and uh, go out on a win, and that means winning the national championship. Having won one already, I know what it takes and how much of a grind that's going to be, but I think we're ready for that. This team is so talented, and I'm really excited to see what we can do. So that's awesome. Uh, Coach John Cook, his comment, our staff is so happy to have Lauren and that she's coming back for a sixth year. She's so much fun to coach and someone you want in the gym. And this is awesome news for the program. So, uh, Elijah, the, the rich stay rich here with uh, landing a talent like Lauren back. Oh, yeah, I and mean, this is just fantastic news for uh, for Nebraska because you know that season didn't end how they wanted it to end last season, uh, and, and COVID really put a wrench in things. Mm-hmm. And we're not sure if she's going to be uh, back and ready to go for the start of the season or, or when she's going to be back. Uh, but we know she's going to try to make it back. Uh, she had the, the surgery on her back, right. if, I, if I remember correctly. Uh, so doesn't sound like she's going to be 100% ready to go for the start of the season. Uh, we'll see if, uh, if they start working her back. But uh, I don't think this is... Uh, 
uh, you know, a bad thing at all if she's out until the end of the season. You're, you're getting people uh, experience early in the season. You can get her worked back, mm-hmm. ready for another NCAA tournament run. And uh, and that's when the volleyball really matters is, is in the NCAA tournament. So I think this is just great, great news for the Nebraska volleyball program. And the goal should be national championship. Yeah, and, and that is their goal. And they are, they are right there year in, year out. They are... Uh, what you that's your standard for volleyball is Nebraska volleyball. So we'll dive into some of Coach Frost's comments here as he assesses the first week. Uh, Coach uh, spent some time here after practice today, but we'll get into this with Greg Smith. And we're into August, it's prime barbecue season. You're gonna have tailgates firing up here for Fordham, you're gonna have tailgates ready to rock here for Buffalo. It's still going to be projected nice Nebraska fall football weather, right? You're going to get the, uh, well, you're like, what do you mean? What do you mean? I don't have a crystal ball with Nebraska weather, but I do know that there's plenty of sunshine left before it gets cold and icy and windy and, and rainy to uh, to do some some grilling. So my question is this, and do, how do you do your corn, right? And I ask that because I have shifted a little bit i i still if i want to just get it done i will grill it uh not that boiling takes that much time energy or intelligence on my end i don't have a steamer but how do you do your corn if you're if you're putting sunday dinner together or you're having a friday night barbecue or you're just having people over and and i know there'll be some corn fired up clearly this fall uh before it's it's time to, to get out of the season. And it doesn't get much better than, than corn on the cob. Uh, my wife now has to uh, knife it off of the cob, and she doesn't eat it off off the cob. Which, whatever. I mean, I love her and been, been together a thousand years, so it is what it is. <laughs> but I, I'm, a, I'm a corn on the cob guy, and do you steam it? Do you grill it? Do you boil it? Do you have a preference, and do you have like a magic... Uh, a little twist you'd like to share. I mean, it's pretty standard where you have you have uh, some butter, you have some salt, you have some black pepper, and if you want to get a little funky, just a, a sprinkling of Old Bay on top. Mm, mm. A, little, a little heat. Now, here's your secret. I mean, for me, it's, well, grilling, I'll go to the grill if I got, like, I'm hosting a lot of people and I got to cook it's a lot just of easier. corn. easier. Much easier. But my preferred method is just you get the water boiling, stick the corn in, let it go, like, Eight minutes or so, ten minutes. Eight, ten, twelve. The, yeah. the key is don't leave it in that hot water. You got to get it out of the hot water. Really? It, they they can't float. No, they can't. I mean, it, you, you it turn, doesn't affect that You turn the stove off and you put it. The texture of the corn, I think, is better if you pull it out of the water after that that eight to ten minutes cooking. Okay. Uh, but what I'll say, a secret uh, that it's been a herbal family tradition for years now is uh, one of these weekends I'm sure coming up here soon before football season we go and we buy all like we buy all the corn at the corn stand that's mm-hmm. an exaggeration but you go buy a whole you bunch try. of corn and then boil it all up cut it off the cob and put it in the vacuum sealed bags sure yep and then you have fresh corn stand corn all winter so you can leave it in the freezer pull it out throw it in the microwave cut the top off boom Okay. You don't have to deal with that gross can stuff, that terrible stuff they're sure. shipping up from South America or wherever. No, you get that fresh Nebraska corn whenever you want it in the wintertime. That's your key. Elijah declaring war on South America here. Their, the, their corn's not the same. No, it's not. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm working to, to get grilled corn on the cob tonight. I'm not going to quite... We're, we're having dinner at some friend's house tonight, so I'm not going to say, will you boil me a bunch of corn? <laughs> <laughs> I need six years myself. But uh, no, uh, you can chime in here, email or Twitter. How do you do your corn? And uh, Coach Brett, I'll say this. 
a little oil, a little bit of a little cream, mm-hmm. salt and pepper, let it boil away. Tried it that way, it's magic. Really? Yes. See, I have never thought of doing anything of, of boiling it anything other than water. You, you can put salt in it? Uh, I, I'll salt my corn afterwards. Yeah, salt twice. <laughs> I'm watching my sodium, Chris. <laughs> it's overrated. It's overrated. Let's dive into to Scott Frost here shortly. And uh, Coach Frost touched on uh, a number of things uh, today. But where we'll kind of focus is the, the running back room specifically, because that's, that's a key question, a key component of uh, where Nebraska wants to go offensively, right? Uh, what type of help in the run game are you going to give Adrian Martinez? And some thoughts here uh, with uh, that running back race here. Uh, who's number one, who's number two, and then all the rest. But here's Coach Frost as he got things kicked off and uh, the running back race uh, on, on our minds. I'm sure it's on your minds. Yeah, I, I have no idea how it'll shake out right now. Both of them are doing good things. Um whatever decision we make for game one might not be the decision for game two so we're going to keep bringing them both along and i screwed that up that is the quarterbacks <laughs> can i hit uh delete can i go can i go uh can i go mulligan quarterback i'll scrub that from the podcast that's <laughs> all right just just start scrubbing away but in all you know reality that is scott frost talking about the the backup quarterback so let's just stay there for a second and with Frosty and the quarterbacks, you got Harburg, you got Smothers, right? You got Masker, you've got other guys. You have Adrian, and and that's going to be key here. Is is where are are things at with the backup spot? And you know, if I were to put my money down, I think the guy that that looks the part and has the arm talent early, uh, just from the pocket standpoint and the way he finished the spring game, is is Harburg. And, and Smothers is a tremendous athlete. I know he's worked hard to, to get better with his throwing mechanics, and you don't ever write a guy off that's just kind of a gamer, an athlete, a tough kid. So, But from a Harburg standpoint, I mean, that's the guy, even as young as he is, they, they, they have two different starting points with the program where Harburg's newer and Smothers has been here. What's hosed Smothers has been the fact that she had the COVID year. I mean, you just he's not had even though he's technically had more time here, he's not really had that much more time here because of circumstances out of his control. Uh, Let's get into the running back discussion here, though. And uh, you you heard about the quarterbacks, but some some thoughts on Marquis Stepp, and you heard it touched on by Coach Lubick earlier this week, reiterated by Frost with uh, the USC transfer doing nice. Yeah, I've been pleasantly surprised. Yeah, about, asked about surprises, surprises with his uh, Marquis Steps project progress. Um, weren't sure he was going to be 100 percent coming into camp. I know I still don't think he's quite 100 percent, but he's uh, stacked some pretty good practices together. Um, is farther along with knowing the scheme and everything than I expect him to be. I've, I've been really uh, happy with his performance in the first few practices. And none of us have seen Step right because of of the spring injury. We'll ask Coach DiNardo his impressions in Nebraska's running back room. He got to see uh, some live drills and contact and scrimmage yesterday or just some good on good anyway. So Steps the guy. You hope he can stay healthy. And he's got tons of, of exper- big game experience, but it all hinges on him being able to, to carry the load and stay injury free. 
where's Gabe Irvin? Where's he at? And he's the other name you're thinking about. And some nice compliments here by Coach Frost on on Irvin. What makes him uh, a reality in this running back race? It's not just his talent, but also kind of his mindset. I think Gabe's ready. One thing I'll say about him is he came in as an adult. He was very mature in his approach to everything when he came in. Um, that's usually the telltale mark if they're going to be ready to play early on. Uh, he's done a good job learning it. Uh, he competes, and uh, he'll definitely be in the mix at that spot. So another point uh, that Coach Frost touched on was, and Parker Gabriel asked him the question, hey, as, as a play caller, are you able to, to kind of figure out when to lean on a guy? And to me, that's identifying the hot hand, hot hand on offense with the running game or where you're attacking a defense or maybe it's somebody matchup-wise, your tight ends or your wide receivers. But uh, Coach Frost explained a little bit as to what went into their offseason, the analysis, and a really good breakdown of what Nebraska's offense has been. They've been good between the 20s. They put up a lot of yards on people. Uh, they've been pretty efficient. They've ran the ball at a high level. And they've ran the ball, Elijah, at a high level on some good football teams. They ran well enough to win against Northwestern. They've ran well enough to win against Iowa. They've ran well. They put up tons of yards on a Wisconsin defense, right? They've given the Wisconsin defense fits all except for the end zone. So uh, when it comes to the, the point production matching the the total offensive production, uh, that is not matched up. More from Scott Frost here on their offseason assessment. Yeah, I mean, we did a lot of statistical analysis in the offseason, and um, I think we were second in the league in rushing. Um, second in the league in efficiency per play and near the bottom of the league in points per drive. I think some of that was the, the defenses we played were really good, and I give them a, a ton of credit. This is a good league with a lot of good coaches. Uh, but I think that discrepancy largely is just mistakes that we made ourselves, negative plays, turnovers, bad snaps, penalties. Um, that's where our focus is entirely as, a, as an organization, as a team. Um, I want a team that never beats itself and plays tough. Amen. I think that's what uh, a lot of Nebraska fans want, a tough football team, but a a sound football team. And as much as that's been an emphasis, you want to see it translate three weeks from tomorrow because it's go time against Illinois. It sets the tone. And uh, you talk about rolling downhill, getting some momentum. That'll be key. Balance is going to be a reality for the Nebraska offense. In my opinion, uh, you got a quarterback that can do a lot of nice things, get a run game behind him, and then the wideout rotation. Last thought here from Coach Frost. I feel good about the receiver group. There's a lot of competition there to get in You know, the top six. I imagine six are going to play for the most part. Um, a couple other guys might sprinkle in, but it's going to be six, and we're still trying to figure out who those guys are exactly. But there's a lot of guys that I think we can rely on to go in the game right now and make plays. So you get that offense going downhill with a power run game where you lean on the offensive line, you work a defense out with some play action, or you can just do some, dare I say, short game with your yards after contact, yards after catch, uh, where you want to be able to get vertical, but from the horizontal standpoint, you might have some better playmakers on the outside. It's the same play. Elijah, when you throw that little three-yard hitch or five-yard hitch, now it's not the same guy this year necessarily doing things after the catch. 
I mean, the, the way I see it, though, is you got to have that vertical threat to be able to, to keep those safeties back, make sure the safety's first step is backwards um, because they, they're worried about, you know, Omar Manning going over the top on him. If they're coming downhill every single play because they know it's either going to be a five-yard hitch or, or a running play, uh, you're really limiting yourself in what you can do on offense. So I, I think the vertical threat is is still huge in this offense. If Nebraska doesn't have a vertical threat, it means some big, big problems for the offense. Well, and it goes back to what they've done as a running team that's impressive, but they've not really had a vertical threat for two years. I mean, they, they had Spielman, obviously, but that wasn't a reality a year ago. So... You know, big things uh, hoped for with this offense. Can they uh, continue to, to hammer away and get them done? We'll check in with Greg Smith, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine next. Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery in his new Russell Westbrook jersey. We welcome in... Recruiting guru and insider Greg Smith at Greg Smith HV on Twitter and his podcast, The Straight Up Breakdown Podcast. Check out on uh, all the different platforms with uh, Hurt at and Hale Varsity. Greg, do you go home or away with the Rust jersey? I'll probably go home, uh, but when I do get one, it's, it's going to be tough because now I'm like, all right, I've tried. I don't have an Anthony Davis jersey yet. Uh, I have been waiting on that, but now i got to get a rust. I think we just go ahead and get the ball and just let the wife sort it out later and be angry. Like, she'll get over it. No, I, you just need you need a selection in the closet. That's that's, that's absolutely right. true. Uh, do you like it? I mean, I, I tongue-in-cheekly said the, the all-retirement team, and I know that <laughs> that may make you frown a bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, okay, I like the rough addition because they needed a third star and they needed a, another guy um, that could create for others and himself. So from that point of view, I like it. I'm not sure how it works because of his shooting. Like, we'll, we'll see that. It's really the volume of shots. Like, he shoots, doesn't shoot well, and just continues shooting them. So if we can rein that in some, that would be perfect. Um, but, man, it's going to be health. Health is going to be the huge key because they've got – you're not joking. they got an old team, um, and they're going to definitely need to stay healthy to make a deep run into the playoffs. Well, I know you'll uh, you'll have uh, the, the pom-poms and jersey selection out. Good luck and God bless with uh, <laughs> with Russ coming to, to L.A., coming home. So, overall, your first week uh, this week with, uh, with the 2021 fall camp – what are your impressions? Not a not a ton to read into. Now, I thought the the, the post practice stuff, especially from Lubick, was was really good. Same with Greg Austin. We we both uh, saw Coach Ross today. And you know, what are some nuggets? What are some takeaways you may have? What, what what's kind of piqued your radar? Yeah, I think the the big thing for me has been, I think, to a man, the coaches, and it started with defense early in the week, um, have talked about, you know, being advanced in fall camp and being able to start, install, and throw a lot at the team because of the amount of returning guys that they have. I, I thought that that was, that in a lot of ways, that's really good because obviously it's good to have those, that returning production, but also it's a, it tells you a little bit that they've had guys carry over and it didn't have quite as much attrition as they had previously, right? So you're not having 
having to start over um, with as many guys as they had been in previous years. Uh, so I really like that. I thought that the, the day with offense uh, was really interesting. I thought that Matt Lubick um, coming out and saying that Marquis Stepp was ahead of schedule and had been um, practicing each day, um, and if they had a game that day, he'd be able to roll. Um, I thought that that might have been the biggest nugget of camp so far. That running back battle is going to be the story, um, the dominant storyline through all of camp and leading up to the season. I thought that was really interesting. Greg, if you were setting a live betting line right now, do you think that Marquis Steppitt is the favorite to land that starting gig uh, come week one against Illinois? Man, it's funny. I, if you had asked me this at the end of spring, I would. I, and I actually, I think I did this. Derek Peterson jokes with me when we did it at the end of spring. Our like projected depth chart. I didn't have Steph in the two deep, um, and now I'm at the point to where I might make him the favorite um, to be that guy because that experience will really help him. Um, so long as he stays healthy, I, I think right now I'd have him as the favorite. He's a guy that, and, and Frost kind of touched on this, that because of his experience level being at SC. He knows the role. He knows the drill of a spring, even if he's not physically able to do it, but more so the summer, the, the work that needed to be put in, and, of course, the fall. It sounds like he's been buried in the playbook in a good way. Yeah, that definitely sounds like that, which is great because if you're not able to be out there physically like he wasn't able to do most of the spring, it doesn't mean that he couldn't get those mental reps. Coach, coaches talk about that all the time. Um, and also he did have a new offense to pick up. Um, so him doing that really sets himself up nicely because we've seen this before where that doesn't happen with every kid. Sometimes, you know, you get injured and you're out for, for a period and you get down and out um, and you don't study as hard. It doesn't seem like that was the case, but that also ends up happening um, when a kid's a veteran, right? When he's been around for a little bit you tend to get that um, so that's definitely working in his favor because he can make up a lot of ground in a hurry uh, in that running back race now Greg Huskers past couple years have always had a one-two punch at running back and coach Frost said he doesn't want a running back by committee but I, I still expect we're going to see multiple faces against Illinois who do you think's most likely to be that one B back the guy who, who comes in uh, whenever Marquis Step needs a needs a breather assuming Marquis Step is a starter yeah, assuming the starter, I would still I would put Gabe Irvin um, as that second guy right now with Savion Morrison hot on his heels. Um, I think that the spring that Irvin had um, really made a big impact on the coaching staff, but I think that Savion Morrison is a guy that kind of almost gets lost in the shuffle, even though he's been around and was on campus last year, but had a really a tough year last year between injuries and COVID, um, and then had to clean up his diet, had to you know get used to being a college football player. Um, he's a guy that could have a big fall camp as well uh, but right now I would say Gabe Bergman would be that second guy but that battle is so open right now. Greg Smith is with us HaleVarsity.com and Magazine at Greg Smith HV on Twitter's where you find him his podcast the Straight Up Breakdown podcast uh, Google, Spotify and iTunes also the Herd at Media platform. Greg let's just talk who you're buying stock in right now. Uh, Greg's uh, blue chip uh, picks are who and it can be obvious. It can also be off the, uh, well, off the, the bingo card, so to speak here. Who do you, who are you betting on and who are you confident in? Okay, I, I cannot take a position unit as who I'm, I'm betting on. <laughs> that's um, that's a smart take, man. Give me, yeah, a, give me the I, unit. If, if I'm going to give you a unit, I'm going to give you the wide receivers. 
that's a group um, that I listen. I was a little cautious about trying to buy into what was happening with the wide receivers. They have a lot of guys, but a lot of guys that really haven't taken that next step for whatever reason. Just haven't seen it on the field. Haven't been out there enough in the case of Omar Manning. Haven't put it all together in the case of Xavier Betts. Um, but you just continue to hear so much good praise for those guys in that group. Um, you heard Matt Lubick a couple of days ago say they could go basically nine deep. Uh, I think Scott said today that you know they want to settle on six. I think that they'll be able to have that six and a strong six at that um, if things continue to roll the way that it's going uh, right now. Um, I would definitely buy stock in those wide receivers. With Betts, he was uh, pretty real the other day after practice, and Coach Frost touched on that. No, Betts had a good spring. He's just being humble. But just based on what Betts was talking about, the the application process, the confidence, I'm excited to see him ball uh, just because of his size and speed and that combination. And then you factor in Omar on the outside. And, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, they've kind of brought in a guy that has set the, the tone by example, and, and they all seem to kind of clamor towards, and that's two rays. So there's three of the six right there. Martin's uh, better than a possession guy, but he is he's able to – to do some things likely after the catch and you factor in the two tight ends we all scream run the football but if there's time for adrian good luck trying to to kind of lock down a a guy either on the outside or up the seam it could be a wonderful offense from a balance standpoint greg yeah, they have a really big opportunity to have a very balanced offense that's really difficult to find out tendencies on. Um, and if you can keep it, Nebraska can find a way to keep defenses honest and off balance, which has been tougher than the last couple of years. Um, they could make a jump on offense just because of that. So if, in, if you figure out a way, um, and it can go either way, like you can use the pass to set the run up, or I think ideally you would use the run to set the pass up. Um, that could open up lanes either way um, with that part the offense it would be really good i think that they have a real shot to have a very good offense but i still think it's going to come down to me to what happens with that offensive line if the offensive line takes the steps that we think they can take um whether it's holding up and pass blocking or opening up holes for the running back um then that's gonna that's gonna really fuel a jump for this offense Greg, let's quickly move to the other side of the ball uh, as there's really one big question mark in the defense, and that, that's who's going to be starting opposite Cam Taylor Britt at that cornerback spot. And uh, I feel like this has been a little bit overshadowed by the, the competition in the running back room. Haven't heard all that much about who's been turning heads in fall camp from the, uh, the cornerback position. Have you been hearing anything? I mean, I know we've seen a lot of Tyreek Johnson on uh, social media. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that, that we, and I agree with you, first of all, that it's that position battle has kind of been overlooked, but I wonder if that's because people just kind of assume that either way that's going to be okay um, because of one, Travis Fisher and his coaching prowess, and two, you have some really talented options in that group, right? So when you go with Quentin Newsom, who I think is still the guy um, that'll get the first crack at that. You've seen Tyreek Johnson, like you said, in a lot of social media videos. Nadab Joseph has been um, in the mix as well. Timone Lynham has been someone that's gotten praise from Travis Fisher, so I think Nebraska has options there. Um, and then you have some guys that have cross-trained in the back end of the, back, of the defensive backfield that could also slide down or outside in a pinch, too. Um, so I'd still give the edge to Quentin Newsom, but that'll be something we definitely talk more about as we go through fall camp, um, especially when we get to talk to Travis Fisher or whatever that is. Uh, that's the next spot here is, is Coach Fisher. What's the, the balancing act? You've got super seniors back at safety that are that are really talented safeties with, uh, with Dismuke and Williams. 
but Farmer pre-injury, man, he stepped in and did great against Northwestern. Noah Pola Gates seems to be uh, on the up and up. How do you how do you balance getting those young guys snaps, but not ticking off the old guys that came back? Yeah, I think that as of right now, you're just you're trying to you go to the old guys and say, hey, we're trying to preserve you uh, for the season. But also, it's part of buying into the team once we get um, to the fall and we get to games. Right? Is that you know, just Mute and Williams have to understand that. Yeah, the, we're you may be the starters, and you're going to get the majority of those snaps, but it will help the program in the long term if we can also mix those other guys in and you guys continue to teach them. If, if you don't have any issues with that, that's one of those markers of, of the C-word culture that we mm-hmm. talk about all the time um once that comes up and you know that you don't have an issue there that's how you know you have that strong culture too greg uh back to the uh the hedging your bets here as far as pass rush goes are you are you feeling that it's going to be one of the three that that we have asked about the last couple of years at least two names and, and garrett nelson and caleb tanner or do you think that is uh feldarius Payne's role to kind of take and run with, kind of knowing the ups and downs he had with with the, the COVID season. And, you know, when he, when he played, he did well, and, mm-hmm. and more could be better. More playing time could be better for Payne, specifically as a, as a pass rush guy. Or does it come from a Robinson or situationally from a Polar Bear Nash? I mean, uh, the million-dollar question, along with Elijah's, on the opposite cornerback spot is also who's getting after the quarterback. And have you heard or seen anything that maybe has stuck out to you? Yeah, those are the two questions when it comes to the defense. And even with the, you know, who's going to be the pass rush guy, um, I still think that they'll be able to find a way to manufacture that because I do think they have some guys on the defensive line um, that are a little atypical for the 3-4 that can rush the passer. But I think that Feldarius Payne is the best hope um, for that. And maybe that's because we have, we've seen the least of him and we saw him play well in spurts um, last season. Uh, I think you're still going to get progression from Garrett Nelson, and I think he's going to have a good season. Um, Caleb Tanner, I mean, it's really now or never for him, but I think that's all Darius Payne uh, is the guy to watch when it comes to, you know, can they get a guy that can get five to eight sacks in a season? I think that he's your best hope uh, at this point. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Greg Smith is with us. A few more minutes. It's Hale Varsity Radio at Greg Smith HV on Twitter is where you find him. And uh, you read him with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. His podcast, The Straight Up Breakdown. Greg, some recruiting uh, nuggets here before we say goodbye. And uh, when it comes to uh, some names here, you know, what's the next spot Nebraska needs to, to land a yes on? And also... You know, Coach Becton talked about being selective uh, because of of the numbers, and I totally get that. But you know, to your to your twenty twenty two needs, Nebraska still needs a an outside backer, a D lineman, a couple of DBs, and a couple of offensive linemen. Uh, how's the uh, the pursuit of that going here? Any names that Nebraska fans should be looking at or listening for? 
Yeah, I think that defensive back um, is kind of the focus here. But the but the thing about that is is that defensive back is also the position where we've seen over the last three years like names come out of the woodwork and guys that were good, right? Like mm-hmm. four star players um, that you didn't know that Nebraska was really in on. Um, that all of a sudden it turns out that Travis Fisher has really made great progress with them. So I think that a guy like Marquise Williams, uh, who took an official visit in June from down in Florida, he set a decision date for August 11th, which is his birthday. Um, Nebraska's battle in Miami there. That's also going to be, I think, a proximity battle um, to try to lure him out of the state of Florida. We'll see how that goes for for Nebraska. But I think the cornerback or defensive back, sorry, um, is the spot moving forward that you're going to have to look at. I think Nebraska would love, of course, to land an impact pass rusher. We'll have to get probably like a senior film guy or someone that, that, you know, pops onto the radar that maybe is a flip target for that. Um, And then maybe one more offensive lineman. Like, we're really only looking at you know, four, maybe five more guys in this 2022 class. Yeah, Greg, not many spots available. I just mean look at scholarships. And, and I remember a few years ago, there were stories coming out saying how many total scholarships this, uh, this Scott Frost staff was sending out to high school kids. Uh, has mm-hmm. that changed this year? Are they sending out fewer scholarships just because there's less? Or are they still, uh, you know, sending it out and, and seeing who's interested, uh, kind of using that scholarship as a feeler? Yeah, they're still they're still mostly sending out scholarships for feelers. Um, that number has come down a little bit, um, but for the most part, that number is still on the high end of what you see nationally. Um, and I'll be curious on how that continues through like the 2023 and 24 cycles, um, especially once we start to get back into having those guys here for game day visits unofficially in the fall, um, and see how that kind of shakes out. And especially if they then catch up on those evaluations after not being able to get out on the road and see guys uh, over 2020. Uh, but I, I still that number is still high Greg what is on the grill this weekend before we say goodbye I, I actually have not made that decision yet um, we're gonna see I am open for suggestions um, at this point but I do have corn someone brought over corn yesterday from Grant Nebraska so we're gonna see uh, how that goes and uh, what pairs with that maybe a nice steak uh, well see that would work Barnett's doing his Great uh, Coach Barnett Riboff in Boulder tomorrow, and oh. and uh, there's judges, there's prizes, and we'll leave the prize, uh, you know, off off the air this time because <laughs> he he let it slip. And well, it's a farting pig. Okay, you, you get a farting pig uh, if he wins the uh, the rub. or the the sauce is the big decision where where Coach Barnett's going. I know you're a big rib guy. Listen, with this corn, are you a boil or a grill or, or a uh, steam? Grill, grill. I, don't, I actually don't think I've ever boiled it before. Really? I know people do it. It's a, yeah, I don't think I've ever done it that way. Yeah, I usually just grill it. Um, so do I need to be broadening my horizons? And, and no, I, I'm, I'm as big a grill corn guy as there is, but okay. this is Coach Brett's secret recipe, and he's kind of brought me back to the boiling front where you put in – a little bit of uh, of olive oil, uh, some some kosher salt, some cracked black pepper, and just okay. just a touch of cream. Okay. And then you boil it for about twelve fifteen minutes, and it's magic. <laughs> I mean, it's sad. I don't see how you could go wrong with that. Like it's, it sounds pretty good. And, and you know. The, the the grilling part's awesome, but there's just it's a nice option, right? It, it's your dual threat quarterback. 
That's right. You got to You have to have options. Be able to, you know, hurt them with the feet and the leg uh-huh. and the arm, uh, and that, that's the way to go. I like it. Greg. Have a good weekend, and and give us an update on what you uh, fire up on the grill. All right, sounds good. Have a good weekend, guys. I am I am Team Boyle, but but grilling is <sighs> grilling's grilling's money. We'll we'll dive into Josh Allen's extension here. And Adam Rittenberg's done a nice job over the years covering the, the Big Ten and college football for ESPN. And he's, uh, he's got a debate here, the college football showdown here. And this feature he's been doing is, is coaching uh, and, and jobs. What, what's the better job, Michigan or Penn State? Uh, let's go to Jim first. And Jim's going to tell us about his corn recipe jim thanks for calling go ahead bud yeah i tell you it's uh you guys are making this way too tough uh, i've done it on the grill but you never know how long to leave it on or take right. it off but about uh seven minutes and boiling salt water a little bit of salt pull it out of the water uh the other guy was absolutely right you don't want to leave it in the water and nebraska peaches and cream sweet corn you can't beat it it's great thanks hey Bye. thank you all right, so the peaches, the, and, the peaches and cream, sweet corn. But he's on the money. You got to get it out of that water, or else it's going to get all soggy's not the right word, but it just it's it's going to lose all its structural integrity, and it's it's not what you want. It gets okay. all soft and mushy. Just a little salt in seven minutes, Jim. We're gonna we're gonna put that to the test. I think you're right on, and and we'll go that route. But see, I'm just I'm I've been. Failing for years, apparently, leaving it in the water. Well, it's not the worst thing you can do. It's still good. It, yeah, it's still fine. It's just like, it, it's just that little bit of effort to just take it out of the, the water and put it like on a plate. All right. Better job, Michigan or Penn State? <sighs> See, the only thing that's keeping me from saying Michigan is the fact that every single Michigan team ever will be... Nine and three. Well, it, it, they're, Best they're, case they're, scenario. They're going to be judged not on the result of their entire season. Uh, if they have a bad season, then yeah. But, I mean, if you have a good season and then you lose to Ohio State, the season's still pretty much mm-hmm. a failure. You're always going to be judged on that. At, at Penn State, uh, uh, you don't have that one litmus game that you have to go out and win. I mean, if you go out and have a 10-2 season, the fans are probably going to be pretty happy in Happy Valley. So, I, I think i got to go with Penn State. See, their record is right there with one another. The last 10 years, Penn State's been 84 and 41. Michigan's been 80 and 42. Now, I would, just from a scandal and long elephant memory, I mean, you're never going to not have that history portion of the program with the Sandusky stuff or Joe Paw. And as good as James Franklin is, and he proved he can coach and recruit, because he won, and he's won nine games at Vanderbilt. That's impossible, okay? But I'll say this, if and I know there's not a lot of Bill O'Brien fans in the world, but Bill O'Brien had, what, 15 scholarships after the sanctions? And, and Bill O'Brien got Saquon, uh, had that defensive line, and... Franklin walked into a really horrible situation with an incredible recruiting class. He's kept it 10 and 2 every year, all right? I'd go Penn State despite the the tag that's always going to be with them cuz they've at least beat to your point, Ohio State. We'll take more corn recipe phone calls at Tail Varsity.
And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Winding down hour one, Bill Dolman, proud of Fairbury, Olympic play-by-play man extraordinaire in 10 minutes. Uncle Jerry with us, Jerry DiNardo. Big Ten Network, his takeaways from his uh, viewpoint of Nebraska football. As he saw the uh, and heard the pods, the pads popping. We uh, welcome in Chris to Hale Varsity Radio. Chris, go ahead. Thanks for calling. Do we have Chris? Hey, Chris. Hey, hold on. Okay. Let's hold on one second. Let's patch you up on the other, the top row here. One more time, Chris. Go ahead, bud. Hey, uh, Chris. First time, long time. You guys were talking corn on the way home from uh, work. Yes. And uh, I, I really, really think you're overthinking it because I wasn't a believer in this, but I, I am 100%. Three minutes in the microwave per ear of corn and leave, leave the leaves on it. Okay. It comes yeah. out perfect, and it's amazing. You put a little salt on it, a little butter, it's a winner. No mess. Okay, so no boil, no grill. You just leave it leave it uh, with a little silk on it, and you, you go three minutes. Hat three minutes per ear, and leave the leaves on it. You'll be amazed. So uh, leave the husk on, too? Yep, the husk and everything. Okay. Whole, everything. Just throw it in there just, just how you buy it, three minutes per ear, and it comes out perfect. All right, I'm, uh, I've we're, never heard we're that one. Putting before. a good right. uh, playbook a together here, Chris. Thank you, bud. That's All awesome, man. Good stuff. So the I am anti overthink crowd totally. So I I am here for the advice on doing the perfect corn. How do you do it? Jim said, "Give me seven minutes. A little salt water boil." Chris says, nope, leave it as you buy it. Three minutes per ear in the microwave. And uh, who do we have? We have Jim on the line. Uh, is same Jim? I think it's a different Jim. Jim, okay. Jim, go ahead, bud. Hi. Uh, you don't want to use corn when you, or salt when you cook corn because salt will toughen it up. I use a couple of tablespoons of sugar and some lemon juice oh, for so about you, eight minutes boiling it. That's so, perfect. So lemon juice... And sugar, I, there, yeah. The 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 boil concoction Coach Brett uses had a little sugar in it. I forgot to add that, but sugar and lemon juice, huh? That's what they say. And, and uh, salt will toughen it up if you cook it in salt. And then I, I, I've been I doing it wrong my whole bleeping life. I assume you add a little butter once it's out of the out of the water. Oh yeah, you butter and salt after your when you get ready to eat it. Yeah, See, he's, okay. in, he's in the four cornerstones of food: salt, fat, acid, and heat. So, real quick, uh, Jimbo, uh, how long? What's what's the length again? About, about eight minutes. Okay, so you say eight minutes. So I've got seven minutes. I got eight minutes. I got three minutes in the microwave. You say sugar and lemon juice. All right, Jim, I will try this, man. Thank you for the advice. All right, thank See you. Bye. You. There he is. Gotta love it. I people, love this. <laughs> people are feeling corn. They're feeling summertime, and, and how do you cook your corn? We'll ask Dolman, and, and he's going to be the first to tell you, <laughs> well, Schmidt, you need to get the corn from Fairbury first and then go from there. But, yeah, these are uh, – I'm going to just buy as much corn on the cob this weekend and try all of these. See, I'm loving this so much that I might have to make a little Twitter thread of all the ones that the people have called in and see if there's any other suggestions from Twitter of different ways to do it. Because, like, I want to try all these methods. Post it. Post it. We'll retweet it. Can email your corn method. How do you do it? Uh, and there's no wrong answer. Period. Uh, opposed to what I've been doing, which has been wrong for, for years. Where I will put salt, but... No, I, I buy that. I'm going to just try... 
I'm going to try all of these. We're going to do the uh, the test kitchen this weekend. Hour two is on the way. Coach DiNardo will join us. Bill Dolman, play-by-play man for the Olympics, up next on Hale Varsity. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back in at Tower 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Bill Dolman shortly, the pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. And uh, we have continued to take your corn methods, your recipe. You have Chris saying, leave it in the husk, three minutes per ear in the microwave. Jimbo dialed up, says, give me a little lemon juice and... Sugar, I believe. Sugar. And do seven minutes on the boil. Another Jim called in. Give me seven minutes. A little salt water. And uh, we say hi to Bill Dolman. At Bill Dolman on Twitter. NBC Sports. The Pride of Fairbury. Billy D. We've got a lot to talk about between football and race walking and archery and corn. Do you have a, a simple secret Dolman recipe for doing corn during summertime? Uh, can opener. <laughs> no. Heathen. <Yeah. laughs> wow. Pop. <laughs> yeah, you you always have been a big popcorn guy. But I'm saying you uh, know, corn, I, I, corn on the cob. I, I eat popcorn by the vat. Um, well, I, I think it depends. You know, clearly there are options. And, you know, don't, there's just one way that's perfect. If you, if you boil, you got to put a little milk in there. Um, if you go to the grill, uh, I'm a husk on the grill guy. Okay. I'd, ne- I'd never heard the husk in the microwave. That that, I mean, I appreciate the input, but that seems a bit blasphemous to put a co- corn on the cob in a microwave. Um, Chris says it's money. Okay, all right, that's fine. Um, the, the other here, here's the thing, though. Okay, you do you do not put like a little pat of butter and spread. You roll on the stick of butter yes and anybody who does the other or any other method of applying butter to the corn on the cob that's just stupid so if we're talking option here in the option offense fullback eye back quarterback grilling is the quarterback fullback or or eye back well i'm a nebraska guy so the fullback is our nebraska position regardless of how glamorous the quarterback is so uh, i'm going uh, the grill in the husk is the fullback. That is a true Nebraska way to do your corn on the cob. Okay. In the summer. I mean, if it's not summer, then put a coat on and put it on the grill. Sure. No yeah. sleeves. Uh. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, but, but otherwise, you know, boil, put a little milk in there. But please, I see these, these TV commercials where they put a the little pad on there to make it look artsy, and then it melts uh, down through. Uh, that's just dumb. No, you, you put all the you just you take that stick of butter and you just paint, right? You paint, yeah, and, and whatever it looks like afterward, and how you got to put you know and put it on your toast after that, you just deal with it. Mm-hmm. Bill Dolman's with us, NBC Sports, Pride of Fairbury, uh, Hale Varsity Radio. Bill, race walking, four hour race, 
it, just nuts. I don't know who had more Red Bull, the uh, the, the the race walkers or you. Uh, congrats on on the call, brother. There was some love for you on Twitter <laughs> last night. The fifty kilometer, and it was the last. It was the last rodeo, brother, for this. Uh, yeah, for the fifty k, they, yeah. they're gonna. Uh, that's gonna be twenty k's. And people should mark this down because you know it's, it's only three years away. Uh, but yeah, twenty k's from here on out. They might have a mixed relay or something like that that they throw into the Olympic program for uh, Paris in twenty twenty four. But. Yeah, it was a historic moment, and uh, here's the deal. If, if you got a, a quirky four-hour sport that you need called with a guy who has zero, you know, zero preparation, I'm the guy. Um, yesterday was I had yesterday at midnight. I started working a uh, the modern the women's modern pentathlon, uh, which is a lengthy uh, deal. So we did that from midnight to seven a.m. And they said, we need 15 minutes of that for programming. And initially, we weren't supposed to even call it. Mm-hmm. They just wanted us to watch this fencing round. And then uh, they were going to take 15 minutes of the seven hours and put it on CNBC. And then about two hours after we got done, we got an email saying, uh, they're not going to use any of that. Mm-hmm. So that was, I don't want to say wasted. Uh, then a couple hours, I got a couple hours sleep. And all that time I was going to be watching the modern pentathlon, I was going to study for the race walk because I'd gotten thrown a shooting event uh, two days earlier, so I had not gotten a chance to prepare much. And then uh, so uh, seven hours of modern pentathlon for nothing, uh, two hours of sleep, a four-hour race walk, stayed there for the next four hours and um, had eight hours of modern pentathlon this morning and got back at 9 o'clock and just got up a little bit ago and going back in at about 10 o'clock to do the men's modern pentathlon until about 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. For 40 minutes, which will air. Bill, I, which, I pers- is taking, which is taking place tomorrow in Tokyo, but is being uh, recorded today in New York, which is yesterday in Tokyo. So we're basically doing something today for yesterday in Tokyo later. Huh. Yeah, you, you've lost me a little bit there. <laughs> uh, who's on, who's on first? Yeah. But, but Bill, uh, I really enjoyed the, your coverage of the race walking. And one of the, <laughs> the, the funnier uh, comments I saw referring to the race walking was somebody said, uh, these people look like the, the Husker dads downtown on game days trying to walk through the crowd to get down to the gate. Would you say that's accurate? Well, you know, I, I, there were many times during the course of the race where I wanted to say, you know, uh, these guys look like they are late for work, late for class, late for the bathroom, late for a court appearance, uh, <laughs> you know, and in NBC. But I didn't, I didn't, nor did I say that Davi Tamala of Poland, who won the race, was a hot Tamala. I, I, I did not you want to, no. <laughs> uh, I did not want to uh, undignify the competition in that way. But uh, the thought did cross my mind, and my producer was pushing it pretty hard. But uh, we maintained the dignity of the four-hour men's race walk, which i got to tell you, though, is one of the most grueling things I think I have seen. In I've probably called between 35 and 40 sports in my career. And to watch those guys do what they had to do for that length of time and that kind of heat and humidity, uh, that was that was a grueling uh, a grueling event to watch. I've called 50K uh, cross-country races uh, where you get to glide on skis a little bit. That's still pretty grueling, too. But watching those guys do what they did, the way they had to do it, uh, I, I have respect for what they put themselves through to <laughs> to complete the 50K. And, and obviously there were some who could not finish it. Uh, but it was uh, – and NBC, I, I was coming back this morning from work, and they posted on Instagram uh, a picture of – 
a little video clip of the race walk and said, caption this. And there's like 2,000, 3,000 comments of, you know, donuts in the break room, um, <laughs> stuff like that. So it was really funny. And Pat McAfee posted a couple of uh, uh, things on Twitter, uh, one of which, well, they're both fairly off color, but, you know, kind of amusing. But anyway, it was it's great fun, and it's great to know that people watched it and found enjoyment or amusement out of its quirkiness. Bill Dolman's with us, Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports, Olympic coverage, uh, the race walk, the 50K. Last thought before we get to football, when it comes to, to prep and training, I mean, Bill, you've researched it, and you, you know of the event, and folks can, can you know, poke fun and have a, a laugh at it, but it's, it, it is grueling. It's four hours. What do these guys put into it? I mean, just just give me a little backstory on the event as far as – just the training of, uh, of it. Well, and it's not uh, unlike that of a marathoner, which is on right now uh, on one of the NBC networks. It, it is, it's one where the, the amount of miles and the workload that they put in is amazing when you think, you know, of the thousands and thousands of hours uh, per year to do it. You know, and it's a very, it's a meant, it's, it's a, there's a mental discipline to it because you have to continuously be thinking, I, ha- I cannot break form. And there are judges around the course, as everybody who watched it for four hours would, would note, that it, you can get penalized if you break form, if you lose contact with the pavement. And it can be a brutal sport. In 2000, uh, a woman from Australia in the Sydney Olympics at home is 200 meters from the finish line. And she was going to win the gold medal. And she got her final red card and was disqualified. So it can be a brutal sport. And when you get into the latter stages of the race, it really becomes kind of mind over matter, really. You cannot lose your mental discipline. And for that, I have a a lot of respect. Because, you know, look, the marathon's grueling, 26.2 miles. These people are going 30-plus miles. But marathon is running, uh, and you, you have to overcome the demons that you start to feel. But in the race walk, you have to maintain your mental focus. Otherwise, you can be DQ'd at the most inopportune time, as has been the case a couple of times. So it's thousands of hours of training. There's no question about it. And, you know, they, I'm reading articles about people, you know, watching video because it can come down to millimeters of, uh, of undiscipline, and you're DQ'd. So. Uh, I respect all the sports I do. There's certainly a lot of skill that goes in each and every one of them, and they have their own quirkiness to a certain extent. And But you have to respect the effort and the discipline it takes. Bill, I want to keep with that mental focus. and I want to apply it to, to Nebraska 2021 as week one of camp is done. And uh, so far, so good. Good reviews by the coaches. Players are pretty positive. Uh, it is, you know, a, a good vibe right now, but the the test will be three weeks from tomorrow uh, against the the pig farmer uh, on the road against Illinois. Great tone setter opportunity for Nebraska. Your take here on on the the emphasis here on on the mental part, the mental to physical with Nebraska's miscues and. Have you you've seen enough football over the years and covered Nebraska long enough to know that that that's one thing that that hasn't happened with a lot of coaching regimes, right? Teams, some teams may not have been as as tough as others or as athletic or whatever the case. But from just handling your own business, the mental part, um, take me through. I guess how you think Nebraska can 
can can just look better coached and perform better where they're not helping the other team out. You know, one of the things I miss about uh, you know being around during the the Osborne era and going to practices and doing crowd noise on a Friday afternoons on a cassette tape uh, at the top of Memorial Stadium. Uh, the thing that one of the things that always impressed me, and I don't, and I don't know if Scott does this. I would think that he would try to implement it. I know Craig Bowl at, at Wyoming, you know, is something that he did, he does there, and did at North Dakota State when they would have four stations of of uh, scrimmaging going on at one time. You'd have you know one group in the north end zone. You'd have one along the uh, the west sideline from you know about the twenty to the forty, and another one from the forty to the twenty, and then another group in the the south end zone, and those guys were getting 50 to 100 reps a day in practice, everybody. And, you know, that's always the thing that, that just bugs me about the NFL and other, you know, college programs. And, you know, during the four-year case of the flu, we ran an NFL camp where if you're not starting, you're not playing and you're not practicing either. So uh, I, rem- I think it was Jared Thomas or Grant Wistrom was, was telling me after he came back from camp one time playing in the NFL, saying, you know, if you're not, you're getting like 10 reps a day in practice. And at Nebraska, they were getting 70 to 100. So that attention to detail in practice, you know, everybody was ready. It's not as though you, you, you could, you know, not be sharp because you had to be sharp every day, whether you're on the scout team or the first team. And so when you came into the game in the third quarter and, you know, Nebraska's up 42 to 7, those third, fourth, and fifth teamers tended to be as sharp and as in, well in condition as everybody else. And I, I, I hope Scott does that. I don't know. But I think that was one thing that made one thing in particular that made Nebraska so sharp mentally was because everybody had to be into it in practice. You just weren't a spectator; you were a participant. And when you're that way, you're going to be sharp on Saturday when your when your time comes, and you're not going to be trying to figure out what you're supposed to do because you've been doing it so much. Mm-hmm. And, and that, to me, is the most important thing: is that those guys are engaged from first team to fifth team, and however low they go in the depth chart, that those guys are getting reps. And then when you get that chance, you're not going to fumble. You're not going to you know, miss your assignment and think, what was I supposed to do? Because you did it you know, for three or four days in practice. That, to me, is the most, incredible, is the most critical thing is the attention to detail. and People are getting reps before they get reps in a game. Scott's been pretty vocal about the, the fact guys are getting more reps. I think there's I, – I, listen, we haven't seen a lot of practices. The first few minutes of practice were open this week. But when it gets down to the nitty-gritty – I the feel I have reading into some of his comments today and in and throughout it sounds to me like there's there's been some tweaks with practice special teams red zone uh, Coach Donardo told us about you know right away they got after it in pads to do some live one on one so it sounds like maybe there's more of Osborne esque practices going on and it sounds like guys. Uh, throughout the roster are getting those reps because that's how you're going to gonna nip the, uh, the, the, the false starts or the penalties. That's how you're going to get them fixed is through preparation and through practice. You know, obviously, well, I shouldn't say obviously because many people don't remember that far back, but arguably the most famous uh, backup to be prepared for a game would be Matt Terman against Kansas State in what was that, 1994, 95? 94. Yeah. Uh, you know, so you lose, you lose Tommy, you lose Brooke, and now you're down to Matt Terman, the walk on quarterback from Wahoo, taking on, I think Kansas State was ranked in the top 10 at the time. But Matt was prepared because every day in practice for 
throughout the season, he was running one of those scout teams or third teams, and so it wasn't as though he'd been standing around, you know, with uh, you know just holding on to the football in practice and watching Tommy and Brooke work. He was working, so everybody on that team knew that. Okay, is Matt as talented as Tommy? No. Is he as talented as Brooke as athletic? No. But he was prepared because he knew what was in the playbook, and he, and he had to be prepared because he was going to have to do it every day in practice, whether it was with the first team or against the first team defense. So those guys, you know, I'm glad that they're hitting. You know, college football has gotten sloppy over the past couple of years because well, we can't hit anymore. And so the first month of the season is, is typically guys getting used to you know contact again, and you don't look they don't look 100 percent into it until October. And as a result, football is sloppy then. Bill, real quick, where can folks see you tonight and tomorrow? About 15 seconds. Uh, I think we're uh, doing some CNBC, the Modern Pentathlon airs, and then uh, then we'll do the show for about seven hours tonight, and uh, I think it airs again uh, tomorrow. And if you want to do a panel discussion, just give me a call. I will. Billy D. Proud of Fairbury, <laughs> NBC Sports Olympics. Bill, thanks so much, bud. Appreciate you. Hey, thanks so much, and go USA Volleyball on the Huskers. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could... Listen to the radio listen. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back into it, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Amanda had a chance to check out Nebraska football when the pads were popping. A uh, longtime analyst for the Big Ten Network, All-American at Notre Dame. We say hi to the coach, Jerry DiNardo. Coach, been a while. Thanks for a few minutes. How you doing? I'm doing great. Happy to happy to be back on the road after missing it last year, and I think uh, our crew is overly enthusiastic about football, just like everybody else across the country, because we all missed it so much last year. You know, it was it was awesome to get football last year, but this feels more normal. Knock on wood, and you know, it's it's cool to have you guys back back in Lincoln, Coach. I, I saw the the you know almost two minute little video snippet with you and the crew, and. You've been doing the, the 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 Big Ten tour, you know, fifteen years. Is there a is there a is there a top five uh, restaurant list before we get into football? <laughs> well, I you know I should have been better prepared for this. Uh, you know, there probably is. You know, I tell you what, Chris, let me bring it to the committee and uh, <laughs> we'll discuss it because you know we don't have the bus this year because of COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, we cut our crew back, and so we're we're not on the bus. But that. That has been a conversation in the past as we have got, been on the bus. So uh, we're all meeting in Champagne tonight. So I mm-hmm. think uh, I think we'll probably be together enjoying some some fun. And so I might <laughs> I'll, I'll bring that subject up and see what I get. And next time we're on, I'll have to bounce it off. Of you. No, that'd be good. That'd be good. Uh, I'm anxious to get your takeaway on on Illinois, but let's stick in Lincoln. And, Coach, you've seen a lot of Nebraska. You've seen a lot of different staffs at Nebraska. You know, what was your impression yesterday with Coach Frost and what you were able to see? Yeah, you, you know, obviously I've, I've been answering this question since we left. And, you know, what comes to mind, Chris, for me is, and it's not necessarily a football word, you know, well, you know, maybe it is. You, you know, the most overused word in college football nowadays is there's two of them. Uh, culture and process mm-hmm. and you know but there is something to this concept of culture and, and that's kind of what jumped out at me yesterday I used the word comfort you know it just looks like it, everyone understands the program it's mostly Scott's guys I think he's got his staff in a good place I think the depth 
is better. I think Trev Alberts being the AD has given people confidence and comfort. So I, I, I would say I came away saying, you know, it sure looks good. You know, we haven't seen anybody else. How good they are, we don't know. But the program's been implemented. They have to recruit to it. They got to win some games. They need good quarterback play. And, uh, and then see what happens, uh, especially early in the season. I think they can get off to a fast start. I think you're right on with uh, the fast start. Quarterback is, is monstrous. And what, what's, uh, what's going to be key for Adrian to, to, to keep comfortable, in your opinion? Because I think, I think the offense can be a lot better, but he's got to be better, and I think he's got the ability to be. Well, you know, obviously one way you, you always help a quarterback is with a run game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether, whether Adrian has to run the ball, you know, I, I say the nowadays spread, you know, if the quarterback runs twice a quarter, the defense has to defend it the entire game, you know, because if you don't defend the quarterback run, you know, and you don't assign someone to the quarterback on the side play, you know, he's just going to, he's going to have a big play at the worst time for your defense. So, but they, you know, the one position I think they're undecided on is tailback, and I think that is a way to help Adrian. You, you, you know, Chris, I mean, I think the narrative on Adrian is, is this. He's, he's a great team player. He's a great worker. He's intense. Nobody wants to be better uh, than him than him. But, you know, sometimes quarterbacks are put in positions where they're trying to make something happen, and they force things and all that, but... It's not because of effort. It's not because of work ethic. It's just it's the game, and sometimes the game is completely on the shoulders of the quarterback. And sometimes they make good decisions. Sometimes they make bad. It's better than not trying to make a play, I guess. You know, you just don't want to turn it over, as everybody knows. How did you handle that with your quarterbacks? You coached some really good quarterbacks in your time that were—I don't want to say risk takers, but man, when push came to shove, they were—they were able to be dynamic. Well, you know, I asked Coach Lubick a little bit about this yesterday, you know, and all you can do as a coach is, you know, you sit and you watch the tape with the players. You, you, you go over you go over it in practice. You get on the grease board and, the, you know, the mm-hmm. tablets. and you, you know, you just study the game. And you try to put that quarterback in as many game-like situations as you can. But, but Adrian's been in enough game situations. He, he, you know, to say that game reps is the answer probably – He's too old for that. Sure. So you just have to hope the last time maybe he tried to force it, next time when he's in the same situation, he does it. But again, you know, quarterbacks by nature want to make something happen, even the best. And so, you know, someone that's not on a great team and you play quarterback, you know, people can be critical of you, but he has the ball in his hand. I mean, he's trying to do something with it. And if we don't have a really good team, if we don't have a really good run game, if we don't have a really good defense, the only person sometimes that can make a play is a quarterback. So if he makes a bad decision, you know, like, I, and nobody wants to hear this, that's ball. I mean, he's trying to make it work. Mm-hmm. Jerry DiNardo, a few minutes with us. Hail Varsity Radio, Big Ten Network, Roadshow, as they are visiting all the fall camps for the 2021 season in Lincoln yesterday. Coach, you're, you're right, about, right on about Adrian with uh, he might be your option. What – what uh, what did you think of the running back options that you got to see, got to see yesterday? You know they have they have some depth there, and you know they may play more than one, which you know is not all that 
far into college football nowadays. But, you know, it's the first day in pads. You know, they got pretty aggressive pretty soon. I mean, it wasn't soon after stretch that they were doing some live stuff. You know, did anybody jump out? Marquis Stepp was one of the running backs out. But it looks like they have enough players to give it a shot, for sure. Uh, Jerry DiNardo's with us. Coach, as you look at, at Nebraska's defense better last year, did, did, any, did, did that side of the ball wow you, or did you notice improvements? What did you think of the, the black shirts? Well, you, you know, first day in pads, I could, I could tell you from experience, you know, the advantage usually goes to the defense, you know, because they can try to make something happen. And I thought they were pretty aggressive yesterday. You, you know, they have showed, obviously everybody knows this, they have showed steady improvement. And I would, I would consider that to continue. Um, I thought linebackers was an interesting group. You know, I think they have some guys that can make some plays there. I think they're going to put them in position to make some plays. Uh, defensive line, the numbers are good. You know, I'm not quite sure. I know exactly, you know, who the best mm-hmm. players are there. Uh, you know, we're there. We're there for one practice, and you try to get around. And sometimes you you don't spend enough time in certain positions, and and you don't get a great feel. But uh, I spent most of my time on the offensive side. You're going to see the rest of the league here in the coming days, but just from from year one under Scott Frost in the Big Ten to now year four. Does Nebraska look more complete to be able to compete in the Big Ten? Well, you know, hard to tell. You know, I I have this theory or philosophy that, you know, most of your energy uh, should be put into the games where you have matchup equal or a little bit less, a little bit more talent mm-hmm. than the opponent, where if the coaches switch sidelines, the outcome of the game could change, whereas the most talented teams – Take Ohio State, for instance. You know they're not in that situation. You know they're they're they have more talent than everybody else in the conference. And if you switch sidelines with the coaches, Ohio State probably will continue to win. Mm-hmm. So are they in that position? Really hard to tell, Chris, because uh, you know I see Illinois tomorrow. You, you know, interesting. Joshua Perry has joined our group yeah. now. He was with us on tailgate last year. He's with us this year again. But this is his first tour, and he played at Ohio State when they were very, very talented, which they've been historically. And so I said to him yesterday, you know, just remember this practice. You know, remember what Nebraska looks like. Make some, because he, he, you know, he's been to one or two other practices in his life. And, and now when we go to Illinois, you know, compare Illinois to Nebraska. That's what, I mean, that's what we do program mm-hmm. after program. And so it's way too early. But I would, I, I would suspect that Scott's been there long enough where he'll play enough teams that he has equal talent to, uh, that are winnable games. And, and he's got to get some momentum by winning those games. Coach, how would you, without overanalyzing or, or thinking too much, turnovers and penalties have been a problem. How, did, how do you clean up things, right? Talk to me about the fact, okay, if we're jumping off sides or we're, we're turning the football over, you, you got to stop doing it. Clearly, it's cost you ball games, but – you can talk about it, but how do you make sure it happens? I mean, how did you go about that, cleaning those areas up? Okay, so these these are under the heading things that take no talent to accomplish, right? <laughs> right, <And> yes. So <laughs> you, everyone, everybody is capable of staying on sides. Everybody's capable of uh, squeezing the football at the five pressure points and so on and so forth. So you, so, so you just coach it. I'll give, you, I'll give you an example of what we used to use. Everybody on our team knew – that the penalty that is called the most on punt return, you know what it is, Chris? Holding. 
No. Blocking the back. How okay. many times on a punt return, if you if you quality control this, blocking the back is the most prevalent penalty called on punt return because it's a wide open space. The player's put in a really difficult position. So whenever whenever we see a clip like that, that, that players are in that position, you coach that. First of all, you know that's you know you're going to be put in that position. You have to say, I know at some point I'm going to have a chance to clip or not clip a guy. Mm-hmm. And what I'm going to do when I'm in that position is throw my hands up in the air like I'm signaling for a touchdown. Even if I make contact, the official knows that I know I'm not supposed to clip. But I still don't want to touch the guy. So, that's what so you watch it on tape. You walk through it. And, you know, you, you almost hope it happens in practice where – you don't throw the flag, but it, but it was a mistake made that's correctable before you play a game with an official. So you know, so that's you know, so that's that's an example. I mean, uh, jumping off sides for an offensive player. You know, it's concentration. It's not talent. It's discipline. It's not talent. You, you know, and you just you know you talk about it and you coach it and you make everybody aware of it. And and you, I, I'll I'll suggest to you that all the issues that you know because Britain. Because you know the way people follow your team, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. I mean, so everyone, what's everybody talking about? They're talking about uh, interceptions. They're talking about kick game. They're talking about turnovers. They're talking about throwing the ball deep, right? Am I right that that's the narrative? Yep, you gotta, like, you gotta, you gotta get get downfield. You gotta take care of the football. You gotta be uh, take the football away on defense and gotta win some close ball games. You gotta be better in the red zone. I mean, there's 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 a you know a seven point hit list that's been you know, reading or talking material here for the last year year or two. Right. So so my point is everybody knows that, right? The players know it, the coaches know it, the fans know it. So it will be addressed and my my suggestion is it's all gonna improve. That's that's the cycle of life. That's the cycle of football. Mm-hmm. You make the mistakes, you correct the mistakes. And you start by correcting mistakes that take no talent. And that's coaching. And, and and that that's going to get done at Nebraska, at Nebraska, I believe. And we're back, fellas. You think we could listen to the radio on Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery? Yes, that's awesome. Jerry Donato with his Big Ten Network. Coach, we'll let you go real quick with expansion that that has happened in college football. You spent a lot of years in the SEC with LSU and Vandy. They have added Oklahoma and Texas. Uh, I haven't talked to you since that's happened. Uh, an old foe that you, you rolled the sleeves up against in the Big 8. Oklahoma leaving for the SEC. Would love your thought on that. Two, do you think the Big Ten does anything, or is it just too soon to, to make any comment on, on where the Big Ten, if the Big Ten goes anywhere when it comes to additions? You know, I was talking to Bob Stoops. At Media Days, he's taken Urban's place on Big mm-hmm. Noon for Fox on their on their studio show, and you know, I mean, I think that's that's a pretty significant voice on the situation Oklahoma's in. And he he had a real positive spin on it, Chris. Bob said, "I think it'll really help their recruiting," and uh, so he's he's all for it. You know, we all know, obviously. This is about the money, or as they say, it's not about the money; it's about the amount of money. And so, <laughs> it's it's about the money. It's also about the playoffs because if you look at the SEC now, I counted six to eight teams that are programs 
that if you're not in the top 12 and you've been coaching at a school three to five years, you're probably going to get fired. So, so in the SEC, if the 12-team playoff lives, they could have six to eight teams in that. I mean, that is, that's obviously half the playoff field and more than half of the playoff money, okay? So that's what I think about that thing. I'm surprised Texas did it because Texas has always been like the big voice, right? Their, their egos are out of control. They're going to find out in the first SEC meeting that Alabama runs football and Kentucky runs basketball, and they're going to have a moderate voice, not a big voice. The thing about the Big Ten, you know, they used to talk about the Big Ten being contiguous. They wanted, they never wanted to break the boundaries of, of the footprint. So if you go west, you do Colorado and Utah. I mean, what does that do? You get the Denver market. You know, you get Salt Lake City market. If you go east, you know, you get Virginia. Are they going to leave the ACC? Because the payoff in the Big Ten is twice what the ACC pays. And you get West Virginia, and is West Virginia – you know, academically where they want to be. So mm-hmm. you have, so if you if it if it stays contiguous, I don't know where it goes. I think the important thing is the SEC didn't expand to expand. The SEC expanded to take to get Oklahoma and Nebraska. If 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 it was Kansas and Kansas State, you know, they probably wouldn't have expanded, right? right? So the Big Ten, if they expand, it has to be, you know, it has to be a name like Nebraska. You know, is it Southern Cal? Is it Washington? I mean, who comes in? And so. I don't think they'll expand just for the sake of expanding. No, and, and I, I agree with you there. Um, I think, I think you you make a phone call because there are some some really nice blue bloods in the Pac-12, specifically SC. You're a Notre Dame guy. What, what do you think the Irish do? They don't have to do a lot. I mean, they they've got a great relationship with the ACC for their Olympic sports, and Notre Dame can kind of do what they want football-wise, but do you think they end Chris, up... Chris, Go this ahead. deal, this 12-team this playoff, this was a bonanza for Notre Dame. Yeah. I mean, think about it. The only reason Notre Dame would ever join a conference in football is if they didn't have access to the national championship. Now, in a 12-team playoff, they're going to be in that 12-team playoff most years. Yes, they can't get an automatic bid, but they don't play in a championship game. They could get five play 12, right, mm-hmm. in a, during a time when nobody else is the, – the top teams have already played their championship game, beat the heck out of each one another, and so on. So I, I, I think this was a stroke of genius by Jack Swarbrick, the AD at Notre Dame. He has protected their football independence with this 12-team playoff. Well, and they're going to kick things off uh, in, the, in the streaming world, too, with their opener. So right. that's pretty big. Coach, we'll uh, keep a, a finger on how college football is moving, and thanks for your time and assessment in Nebraska. We'll get caught up again. You bet. Thank you, Chris. So, Coach Donardo's big-time restaurant guy, so he needs to do his, like, top five tour stop stops, keeping with this Friday food theme. Uh, some great input, uh, corn-wise, from uh, listeners, they've submitted some takes on Facebook. We'll get there in a moment. Reminder about your friends at West Blue Realty. And are you looking to buy or sell a home in Lincoln or the surrounding communities? And you know how the housing market is right now, right? You are going to possibly get an all-time high for what, uh, for what you have with your home price right now. Uh, are you looking to, to maybe move into a different neighborhood or there is a home for sale that you've got your eye on? West Blue Realty there to help. 
Tom Luby, Kelly Hoffsnyder, as good as it gets. And uh, you need to reach out to them. Uh, West Blue Realty specializing in residential home sales, Lincoln and surrounding areas. You mentioned Hale Varsity. And they can provide you up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home purchase. Tom Luby, his phone number is 402-540-3768. Or give Kelly Hofschneider a shot at 402-202-2312. It pays to work with West Blue. Log on, westbluerealty.com. And they are in Lincoln. If you're from here, go see them at 1120 K Street, Suite 200. If you're in town for Garth or you're in town for some Husker football, uh, make your way to West Blue Realty today. Okay, some more input. And uh, Gary, Gary Jerry, chimes in on Facebook with how to do corn. I asked the question, got a uh, a non-scientific request out on on Twitter. I've had some great calls uh, on methodology. Everyone's got a different method, but it's the same result. Salt, pepper, butter, boom. Gary says, bring water to a boil, put corn in, eight minutes, stays crisp, stays sweet. Uh, Uncle Mark says, boil it, cover it, take the, turn the heat off, grab when hungry. So it sounds like he's leaving in water. And what, what we haven't had anyone go for is the steam method yet. And I've never tried. The- I don't have a steamer. My mother has a steamer. It's She swears by it. I love steamed green beans, mm-hmm. right? And... That's that's pretty big time. Uh, the 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 Mexican corn. Where oh yeah. So what what is that? Is that like mayonnaise or is it butter or is it sweet? Is it is it cream cheese? Because you see that in the cold case that looked you know the Mexican street corn. Yeah, it looks phenomenal. I've never tried it. I I actually don't know what's on it. I know it's got like the uh, the Mexican cheese. The yeah. I mean, it looks <laughs> looks great. On it. I just don't know. You know what it is. Uh, Jetica says, uh, "Lots of butter." Good night. Melody says, "Okay." Uh, I usually cook it in the microwave with the husks on. Makes it easier to clean. That's a good take. I'll say this: um, husking it yourself does suck. Okay, I mean that's why I go lazy and give me the the four pack. I'm paying an extra two bucks for. EJ chimes in, says, "I grill it. I bake. I bake and wrap it." With diced jalapenos. Oh. EJ for the win off the top rope. And then Mark says, grill. Wrap in foil with two pats of butter. Grill for two minutes. And then turn it for another two minutes. So he's like four minutes. Put it in the the foil. I wonder if that naturally kind of has the steaming effect then if you're wrapping it up in foil. And you're throwing it on the grill. You'd think it would naturally steam just a little bit. Yeah. Nate says, boil, grill, saute, and butter, salt, pepper. He goes with garlic. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for the input today on, on making that perfect corner reality. Yeah, we did talk some football. Heard from Scott Frost, Uncle Jerry with us, Coach Donardo, Bill Dolman from the Olympics, as he did race walking all four bleeping hours. 
<laughs> overnight. And uh, good stuff from Greg Smith on uh, fall camp and recruiting. The weekend edition is back tomorrow. Well, we, we've been at it. We should be full strength tomorrow. Uh, myself, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. So uh, the, the band is back together for a Saturday as we lead up three weeks from tomorrow. It is time for Illinois, Nebraska. So that is cool. Dan tweets in and Dan calls you a socialist. Yeah, it's a long story. That's fine. That's fine. But Dan's an avid listener. We appreciate him doing it. His sister uh, sells corn at a stand. And her take, her advice, it's not about boiling or grilling, but it's about when you get it. She, uh, Dan's sister says the key is to buy corn early in the morning. Anything picked while it's warm uh, gives, off, uh, gives an off taste. Huh. So get your corn early. See, that's not good for, for people like me who don't like to get up early. Well, right. <laughs> I'm up early. I just don't like going anywhere but, but home. <laughs> so I'll say this. No, we're grilling tonight uh, over at Calvin Klein's. So I've got the, the, the bone-in pork chop. Wait, actually Calvin Klein? That's the nickname my okay. dad gave him. Okay. So okay. Calvin Klein, the pride of Ramir, uh, is we're grilling at his place. My job is to stop and get probably, I don't know if I'm doing whiskey or, or vodka tonight. Got to make that call. But we have corn, and I have bone-in pork chop. And two minutes, and the shot clock goes off, and I can go eat. So it's been a, a food show. Uh, so I wanted to visit Dan's sister's uh, corn stand now. <laughs> uh, it's in Illinois. <laughs> so I'll have to do that uh, on the way through or back, so, uh, no, assuming gonna, it's on the way to Champaign. You're going to have to get up extra early to get up there and get out to Illinois to buy that corn early in the morning. Just make it make it a day trip. I just need to <laughs> – yeah, I just need – yeah, just make it a day trip and just find out a way to, uh, to, to bring on uh, a grill – for the, the pregame. Well, the question is, is it even worth driving to Illinois for corn? Nebraska's got the best corn exactly. in all 50 states. That's that's the thing. I, I don't disagree with you. We've we've had corn in, in Iowa, and my brother used to live there, and it was, it was fine, but it's not, it's not Nebraska. Reminder to buckle up. 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can and will reduce risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash Buckling up, brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. We have nothing to really bet on today, do we? I mean, there's no, no steak and beer. No. I mean, what's coming up in the, in the Olympics this weekend? I don't even know. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I want more, uh, more props given out to the pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman. That's all I care about. So we'll uh, hit fall camp tomorrow. Uh, we will rewind with Gary Barnett tomorrow. Uh, the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp, will join us. Brandon Vogel, managing editor. A lot to dive into uh, with camp, with identity, with depth chart, with running back, and, of course, those Nebraska receivers, how things are working offensively. Big thanks to Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt. Back at you. Check the podcast out. Hail Varsity Radio, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Give us a rating.